Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I went to uh, Griffith Park this past weekend, and they have Shakespeare in the Round. And it was great. It's free. And they say, of course, you know, bring your food, don't bring alcohol. My, my one buddy brought a uh, thermos where you put white, put white wine in, and I'm thinking, well, you're putting white wine in a thermos, you're sort of ruining the taste. But people there, they didn't give a crap. Like, someone just walked in, and they're carrying a case of beer and we go there and it was a great performance and it must be hard for the actors because they're sitting there and you're outside well during the middle of the show a police helicopter flies by and he puts the light on they're looking for someone and it's very distracting for the actors i'm feeling bad i'm sitting everyone's sitting there going get out of here please get out of here we're in the park no one's going to be here and so he flies around and then the girl said something it was very funny she ad-libbed off to the helicopter and then he flew away and then he flew back and put the light on again. And during this whole time, we noticed, as with Joanne and my friend Joff, this guy just out of nowhere sat down next to Joff. And after we got out of the show, we thought that might have been the guy they were looking for. Because you think about it, you're sitting there outside, the cops are looking, there's 2,000 people there, you just work in with the crowd, They're, they can't think it's you, and then you just leave with them. So that was my experience. But go out to there. Go out to the Griffith Park. They have a Taming of the Shrews playing right now. And it's, I think, Wednesday through Sunday. And it's, it's free theater. And it's uh, just good stuff. So anyway, that's my theater story. And we have a great show. Uh, my friend John Matta uh, hooked me up with this uh, this person. I'm, I hate to say actress or actor because you don't have to say anymore. It's Mary Shear. How you doing, Mary? Hi, Steve. I'm good. <laughs> no, no. Do, what do you like? Do you like like actor, actress? Do you, are you one of those people who gets mad if they call you an actress? No. No, I prefer, you know, I find stand-up to be so brave I could never do it. So I, was, I refer to myself as a comedic actress. Okay. But really an actress because if I go into a room and I'm by myself, I really hope people don't expect me to be funny on my own. I really need another person on stage. Well, I, I think though most people, like for me, if I go to, to a party or if I don't know anybody, I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make people laugh. And I've always had that thing where it's like the person who always tries to make people laugh and doesn't know anyone. It's the correlation to like the new guy at the job. Like when I used to wait tables, the oh, yeah. well, at my old restaurant. Well, you're not at your old restaurant yeah, anymore, and we don't care about your old restaurant. Right. And just we want to know you now. Wait, yeah. so so you're from Detroit? I'm from Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, were you a funny kid? Did you do voices? Because I know you've done a lot of characters through your career. Did right. You, did like at what point does a does a a person sit there and say, "Okay, I can do impressions"? Did you always did you want to do them as a kid, or what happened? No, I, I was never really good at impressions. I only did impressions on Mad TV because they asked me to, and. It's like Will Ferrell said, you know, you just focus on one thing and that becomes a good impression. I really think I'm more, I'm better at visual impressions than sounding alike. But no, as a kid, I guess I got voted like funniest in high school, most talented and funniest, which is the curse, which means you're neither, right? <laughs> well, mo- how were, what was the talent? Because you know, I think it's like, were you, were you in theater or like? How I was in, well, our because I grew up in this suburb of Detroit that had no arts money, but we had an orchestra. I played violin, and we had a theater production one a year, and I was the director. And so I guess I wasn't, I don't consider myself a funny kid. I used acting to escape just the misery of like family reunions and being bored and sitting around in a basement in Detroit where it smells like mold and everyone sits with their metal chair up against the wall and goes and gets the processed meats and that's Christmas Eve, you know? Really? Yeah, it's to... <laughs> no, no, it's, it's weird, no, because Christmas is so funny because like 
for me, I remember we like Christmas was a big thing. We always had a dessert. We had Cherry's Jubilee, oh. and, and but my mom, well, my dad would always water down the whiskey because <laughs> my parents don't really drink, and my right. his family were just luscious. So my my cousin would just drink a whole bottle, and my dad would water down the whiskey. And my mom one year put it on the Cherry's Jubilee, and she Ooh. lit the match, and, and it, it didn't light because it was watered down. Right. But so he was a lot of processed meat because you said you eat healthy now, so it's like. <laughs> Well, I grew up with just meat and potatoes. Okay. It's like white potatoes and meat. The only fresh fruit was like a Macintosh apple covered okay. by bruises. And <laughs> so to me, you know, coming to California was like, oh my God, there's there's things that taste good here and there's sun and people are happy. I, I found people to be way too extroverted and way too happy all the time. But then now that I've lived here a little while, I understand <laughs> a right. little bit more because you have vitamin C and you're not stuck in a basement and you're not just waiting for you know some horrible family fight to happen but that's that's a funny that because that is there's there's so many places back east in the Midwest that are like that yes and and so uh so you're you're in high school you're the funniest and most talented I guess now did you like the directing did you sit there and go this is fun I I like directing but you know to me directing you kind of have to have a little bit more of a I don't want to say bully (laughs) Or a little more backbone than I had. I, because I teach at the Groundlings now, and I, you really have to be more nurturing, and be strong enough to stand up to. I mean, our lead actress is now an attorney, so I was intimidated by her, and she was good. Her name was Loretta Salzano. Everybody was Italian or Polish in my high school. <laughs> you know, it's like that that suburb of Detroit where everybody's like their dad. You know, worked on the assembly line. My dad was a mechanic, so it's not like I'm, you know, the blue blood. But it's just that thing where I, you want to give people notes, but then they're, it, we're all in the same boat. I really didn't know anything. They didn't know anything. We're all 17, you know, compared to out here where when they're 17, they've done 10 18, films. Yeah. So, so you're doing that. So now do you go to school? Do you go to college? Or what do you, where do you I go? Went, yeah, I, I graduated Michigan State. And was your, were you, did you go in for theater? I I went for on a violin scholarship. Okay, so you were a very good violinist. I was. I used to be good. See, that's cool because my sister played the cello, oh. and uh, and as I, I said this before, and she also played the, the French horn. Wow! And my brother played the drums. So like, I could never watch TV in the house when they practiced because the, the violin, <laughs> the cellos, loud. and the People, French horn and the drums. It's like, but the violin can be very loud. I'm glad you said that. Nobody realizes if you're. I live in a house with mostly wood and tile. And it is. It's really loud. And cello's even louder. My sister played French horn, so I know how loud that can be. Uh, my brother played viola. So we were all raised to be really competitive and always had to be the best. And you did all those competitions like solo and ensemble where you traveled. That's how I visited colleges was violin. Okay. But yeah, I went. I studied theater, and my parents said, "If you get a theater degree, we're not paying for it." Okay. So now, did you go? To, did you live on campus? I did. Okay, because Michigan State's in Lansing, right? East Lansing. East yep. Lansing. Okay. Mm-hmm. How far is that from Detroit? Uh, about two hours, I think. But you knew you had to, like my college was an hour, and I was like, "No, I'm living at college. You have to like. It's like you don't want to. You don't. You don't right. want to live at home. You want to go the oh, college no. experience. I couldn't wait. Yeah, I couldn't <laughs> wait to be. I mean, we were pretty much told since we were born, you have to be out of the house at 25. We're done with you. We don't want anything to do with you. <laughs> when you have four kids, you have to be that way. You right. have to rut them out. You know. So, like rats. So you went and your degree, you went for a violin scholarship. Right. Now, did you start doing theater when you were there? All my music classes were free. I did as many theater productions as I could. My dream is to go back and get a music and theater degree. But I, 
here's the other thing. I'm in a production called Lysistrata, which is a Greek play. And it's about women who abstain from sex, so their husbands get bigger and bigger erections. So in our theater department, they made these giant felt penises. <laughs> and the guy who, pl- who played my husband <laughs> was like, at, one of the, at, at the end of the day, he said, I found him crying in a corner. I said, what is the matter with you? And he said, I just can't let this character go. And I just thought people in theater were weird. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going back to my dorm to make dinner because in our dorm we had to make our own food. And so I just, the theater people were weird. I found some people that were great, but most of them were in the graduate program and I was an undergrad. So I did as much theater as I could. I was mostly involved in radio and TV production. So that's what my degree is in. Okay. So you do that and you graduate college. Now you have your degree in radio and theater. You're you're a master violin player (laughs) and you also want to act. Did you want to act? Did you want to, I mean, what do you do when you go, I'm sure you didn't want to go back to Detroit. No, no. I escaped once. I got off the rock. I'm not going back. So for me, acting was always like alcoholism. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, oh crap, I'm still an actor. <laughs> it's like, one of these days, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. I'm, I've heard. <laughs> I've worked with many alcoholics. So I'm thinking, I, I still want to act. I still love acting, you know. I would listen to Nichols and May and all these old comics. And, and I love the kind of comedy that's more theater and acting. And I like stand-up too, but it's... I, it's just too afraid of that so I, I just always wanted to do comedy and theater and I I had two choices go to Second City or go to the Groundlings in LA I knew one person in Chicago I knew one person in LA and I ended up flying to LA and auditioning for the Groundlings now where I always I always ask guests because it, it always it always cracks me up where where did you first live when you came to LA because most of the time people who move out from back east and Midwest have never been here and right. they, 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 don't know, they don't know the areas. And I, I always know. say, like, probably, well, Detroit is probably like Philadelphia, where you yes. know where the city is. You know the bad parts. Like, you drive up and there's a tenement and you're sitting there going, like, you know, you sit there and you look around and you go, okay, I do not belong here. Right. But in L.A., you don't know that because the pet, like, you watch, you know, even like in Compton where they say it's the gang violence, there's all these nice little houses. So you're driving through going, this is a nice neighborhood. Then you see some guy with a gun, you go, this isn't a nice neighborhood. <laughs> well, and the other thing is it's, you know, every three blocks, it could be, oh, this is a nice neighborhood. And then what the hell? That's a crack house. So I lived, uh, it's called Mount Washington. But it's really where the Avenues gang is. It's the other side is all, you know, Avenue 43 off the 110. Okay. So I lived right up Avenue 43 on the top of a hill. I rented a room in a house because a friend said, oh, this woman um, where I'm interning at at MTM. Do you remember that production company? Mary Tyler Moore? Yeah. Okay. Um, With a little cat at the end. Yes, exactly. Uh, so I rented a room in that house and I lived in that neighborhood and I would take hikes every day. I was like, this seems like a nice family neighborhood. I, what is all the shooting going on? Is it 4th of July? <laughs> yeah. Is that fireworks? No, it's a guy just got shot in front of the convenience store. So I didn't go to Brentwood. I went straight to, you know. So you go there and now did you got into the Groundlings. I did. And so now that was... Um, now it's been around it's so big now but for then Um, was it very known or was it because it wasn't a lot in in the game at the time was there well the reputation when i was there i mean i did my classes i was in the sunday show in 1990 and then i was in the main company for five years and i was always told this is hilarious to me because it was oh groundlings are really funny but they can't act 
Okay. And now they are in every comedic film. They're in, you know, every sitcom is run by a groundling practically. And and now you're in the Sunday show for three months and you get a sitcom. So it was so different back there then and so <laughs> skanky. And now I go because, you know, I'm teaching these workshops there and I go and the backstage has is catered and craft service and all new furniture and it's very corporate and everybody's employed. And I just think, wow, it's so different from when I started. Because no one's hungry, I guess, anymore. It's like not like, you know, it's like Mm-mm. I talk to people like you said, Brian Palermo, you know, who is right. And uh, you probably know Tim Bagley. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah was he was on, a guest. Oh, and, he's hilarious. And he's great. Yeah. And that's like, the same thing. It was like, yeah, you weren't you. You had to bust your chops for a while to get something. Just like the Second City guys who who have come on, or the Improv Olympic guys. They right. back then it wasn't like you got a commercial automatically because you were involved in that troupe. You had to actually you had to get your chops, and you know you right. had to be good. Right, you had to perform for a, on a lot of shows for a long time, and. I mean, I just remember being backstage and people were eating. Like, if you had a prop, people would be eating the props because they didn't have food when they went home, you know? (laughs) And it was just gross and desperate, and there were cockroaches backstage. And I just think of, for me, I mean, I got cast from Mad TV. So after five years, I'd kind of given up. I thought, oh, I'm not funny. People don't find me funny. They think I'm really good in wigs, but... I was going to the Salvation Army and buying wigs. Were you, know? you were you doing any like commercial auditions? Did you have an agent during those five years, or was you, were you just concentrating on the Groundlings? Oh no, I was doing everything. I mean, I did uh, two episodes of Seinfeld. I did national commercials. That's how I know Brian Finney. <laughs> I was doing everything I could try to do. Now your Seinfeld episode is, it, it, I believe, I know the one is one of them is where Jerry won't hug anybody. Right. Okay. Now right. what was I? I've heard working on the Seinfeld is great because I heard it's just. It's just so, they're just so funny. Well, it was really funny, except I, it was my first big speaking role. I mean, that was the first sitcom that I did. And this is pre-LASIK, so when I took my glasses off, I couldn't see. And I had to walk to an exact point and kiss Jerry. And I really was so paranoid because I was almost legally blind when I didn't have my glasses on. <laughs> so first of all, I was afraid I was going to smash into him. And then when you can't see, you think you can't hear anything. So all this funny stuff is happening around me. I'm like, oh, my God, what are they talking about? Is it Are they laughing at me? <laughs> and all I had was a few lines like, hi, Jerry, how are you? And then I'm supposed to kiss him. And I swear I had to do it five times because he said, no, no, don't do it like that. You got to lean in a little bit more, you know, like. And I didn't do it right. I just didn't do it right the first five times. And I thought, oh, God, 10 years from now, this is going to be so easy. But right now, it's just I wanted to vomit. And, you know, of course, everybody was perfectly nice. And it was just a great I got invited to the 100th episode party. And it was really great back then. People were nice. What was your other episode? Um, I was a social worker, and okay. that was with Julia, Julia Louis Dreyfus, and I. She was dating a guy who was basically a squatter. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm Miss Moth, I think her name was, and I walk in and I, you know, basically say, "Oh, he's. I'm his social worker. He's, you know, this." Well, that must have been very flattering to you that they brought you back. I mean, because now you never see, like, you know, I I go through IMDb of all different people, and you'll see some people for, like, law and order over 10 years, they'll be like, investigator this, cop this, you (laughs) know. Right, and people don't notice that it's the same person. That's what I love. But for you, it must have been great. I mean, they must have liked you if they brought you back. I think so. I think um, what I always say now is, you know, about... 10 to 20 people when you start out and my 10 to 20 people just kept getting more and more successful where 
Um, now I can't remember who cast Seinfeld. I'm so embarrassed. It's like he's head of NBC casting. So he just got, he, di- he d- doesn't have to cast anymore because he's like president of casting. Everybody does it for him. So all the people you start with kind of work up the ladder and then you don't know anybody anymore because everybody's just starting out. So yeah, I felt really lucky to get both of those. So you're doing that and you said, you, you know, when you, when you, when you got Mad TV, you were, were you, you just were feeling like you were tired of the business, or no? I just felt like okay, I'll put my wigs in a bag and do my crappy old shtick that I've done for five years. <laughs> if anybody's going to find these characters funny, but it had to be found funny because you were. It's not like they were throwing you off the main stage into Groundlings. I mean, you no. were on there, so it must have been yeah. successful. But it must have been frustrating yeah. to you that I couldn't get like a, a sitcom or regular employment where you know the people before me, like right before me, was Lisa Kudrow. And so when they cast Friends, they kept coming to the Growling Theater. She just did one character all the time. She did Phoebe her whole life, you know? And so she just took that one character and did her on Friends. And here I am doing all these stupid characters and How would you ways. find the characters? I mean, would you, would you sit there and write and go, okay, I want to do this? I and mean, how would you come up for the idea for a character? Um, when I moved to L.A., everybody was a freak to me. I mean, the women in Palm Springs, which is that Dixie character I did, you know, Hello, darling. That woman with, right. you know, if you saw the scars behind my ears, you wouldn't need for days. <laughs> you know, they're so surgified. You can hear like the calcified I stuff know. on their bones. And and then the smoker woman is a relative. who's like, I'm Mrs. Peroni. How are you today? And there was this great Italian restaurant that she was uh, the maitre d' at. And she would just, you know, table for one. Can I have your name, please? Oh, Virginia Slim. Two minutes, I'll be right with you. So everybody was, the characters were people in my family, and I was just lucky Quincy Jones was in the room when I auditioned because I don't know if it's from, he's from Detroit. I think he grew up with kind of the same people I did. And so maybe they thought it was funny. (laughs) He thought it was funny because he was laughing and everybody in the room was looking at him like, is she funny? And he was laughing so hard, and I was just like, I'm so glad he's here. Now, when you auditioned for that, you know, because SNL, you know, SNL's been up and down, but. Right. And I, I thought, you know, I, Ed TV is very funny, and I know Blaine Kapash wrote for him for a while. Yeah, you know, and Pat and Oswald. And Pat they were writing partners, yeah. Yeah, I knew Blaine and them from, uh, they're from Baltimore. Right. But I think when, when you did, when you auditioned, did you think, okay, this is going to be big because it ran for long, or do you think, well, it's going to be because there's other things that went against SNL that never, never really succeeded? Right. So, no, I auditioned, and then uh, a week later, SNL came to the Groundlings Theater. I auditioned with Will Ferrell to get on Mad TV, and he didn't get Mad TV. We didn't know what it was from the very beginning. It's like you said, John Blanchard from Second City, um, Kids in the Hall, the director, um, he was on mad there were so many great people involved and quincy jones you know and it was on fox and they were really gearing up to take on snl but will ferrell and i auditioned and he didn't get it i said oh poor willie's so nice everybody loves him i wonder what will become of him and the next week (laughs) (laughs) snl came to the theater and i was like curse you why did i have to get mad i always just wanted to be on snl and they, we were just, you know what it was? It was, I was so used to like abusive family crap that 
that's what Mad TV was like. We're going to sign a contract for six episodes. If you don't suck too badly, maybe we'll sign you for six more. It was like that from the beginning. We'll give you the pilot. If you don't suck too much, we'll give you six episodes. And it was like that from the very beginning. Just, you better be good or we're getting rid of you. Well, it's funny you say that because me and uh, John Matter were talking about that, about uh-huh. you know when the writing gig he had where they're like, he's like, he's like you know, hey, if I'm getting paid, they can abuse me. But if, so, if you're doing something like helping someone out and they start, you go, no, right. I'm not getting paid. For free, but I exactly. think you sit there and you go, and, you know, because you, as you said, you wanted to get that show. Right. So, and, but I, I always, that's a lame way to run it because they don't, and that puts fear in you. And I don't think you, when people step on eggshells, they don't perform the way they should because they're thinking they get inside their head. And for what, and what right. you do, characters, right. the last thing you have to do is get inside your head because you have exactly. to be a character. You can't even think about the inside of you. No, you have to completely disappear. And if I hadn't had kind of relatives that you know made sure I knew I wasn't good at anything, I think it would have been so much harder because I remember, to me, I had graduated from high school. I'd made... I got on a TV show, and for five years of going to Salvation Army, getting your own crappy wigs, doing your own makeup, I think, I made it. I got on a show, and I love doing characters, and there was another actress on the show who just said, I just want to be in a sitcom. I can't believe I got sketch comedy. I hate sketch comedy. I hate being here, and that just wasn't me, and so... I, I was so happy, and I remember, you know, I want to try this character. I was, I'm game for anything. I'll do this. And one day, the director just came in, and I forget which director it was, but he had sunglasses on, and he was always hungover, and he just said, what are you so happy about? You're always so effing happy. And I just, I was shocked, you know. I said, I'm happy because I'm doing what I really love doing, right. and I'm doing comedy. And he was just, you could give people a bathtub of $100 bills every day of their life and they'll never be happy, you know? Isn't that crazy? I, I had a guest on who said he worked on uh, NCIS mm-hmm. with Mark Harmon and he said, Mark Harmon's like the coolest guy and he said, when you walk on, and he goes, because he, he's been an actor for a long time, he said, some sets you walk in and like the director like that gives you a right. but he said, when you walk in the, he said, I walked on the set and he goes, everybody was just like elated. They were happy and finally he goes, at the end I talked to Mark and I said, you run the best show everyone's in a good mood and he said hey i'm set for life my kids are set for life my kids kids and he goes i'm doing what he goes why wouldn't i be happy (laughs) and so many people don't take that i mean you see it on facebook with you know with comic friends who are bitching because this person got the part well then you know what this person got the part because maybe they got lucky Maybe they're trying harder. Maybe they know someone. But it's like that happens in all works of life. Like, yes. You know, you won't get a part. If you're a lawyer, you might not get a job because <laughs> someone's in the same fraternity as a lawyer guy. And they, right. it's like just if when you get a job, be happy because you have that blessing that 90% of the other people will never feel. Yeah, I... I guess I don't understand it because, but I feel like I always am aware of the people who are miserable. It's sort of like, I guess I have a radar to find those people like, oh, okay, there's this, the <laughs> the right. dark spot on the set. <laughs> I've got to avoid them. Because the first speaking role I did was, believe it or not, Quantum Leap. And, yeah. I, and I was still in the Groundlings. And, you know, Quantum Leap is, who's the star of that? Scott Bakula. He, he said, okay, I'm on TV. How do I get off TV? And this is my first acting role. And I just thought, Ugh, why is he miserable? You know, he's he's on a show every week. I wouldn't want to be dressing up like a man. It, I mean, he was dressing up like a woman all, <laughs> in many of the episodes. Maybe he hated what he was doing. But then to go from that to like, you know, Seinfeld, where he's like, 
you can still sense the joy of comedy, and that's all I'm pursuing is people who want to do comedy, who love it and are happy doing it. Not the ones who are like, oh, you know, and it seems to be more prevalent now where it's sort of like if you act too happy then or not, you know, blasé enough, then you're not accepted. I don't know what that it's, is. It's because everyone's like, you know, it's like everyone wants to be different now. And, and then it's like, and whenever everyone wants to be different, they're not different. You know yeah, I mean? they it, all act the same. Like they're all too is, cool yeah. for everything. Yeah, and No fun. And that's the thing. And that's why I don't really get younger actors or comics on here because they have that like oh you know i mean but all the people who've been around are just thankful and they're happy <laughs> and they're like you know and they have to audition i run into this older character actor carmen argenziano who's been on the show and he's been around forever now i see him in downtown burbank we go to the same gym uh-huh. and uh and he's just always like he's he's seventy odd, whatever. And he always says, "Yeah, I've been in the business for forty five years." He goes, "But I still got to keep moving, you know." Yeah. And it's But he's just happy, and you yeah. feel like his pee. Like you just when you meet him, it's like I saw him. I was getting coffee. I saw him on decaf. We were talking about. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. And I saw him walking down the street, and I just start talking to him. And you, you walk away, and you feel good after talking to him. Right. And you go, "Okay, this yeah. is cool." You know, that's a guy. And you look at him, and you go, "This is a guy who was in The Godfather too, small part, but was in The Godfather too." Right. And you go. And it's just, it's funny because you had a negative, I mean, with a director for you, it must have been bummer because you're doing, you, of course you're going to be happy. You're, you can't, you don't, they're giving you wigs. You don't have to go to the Salvation Army anymore. <laughs> I know. I'm doing, I get to bring in whatever characters I want every week. You know, I'm doing what I love. And I, I feel like, you know, we had guest stars like Rodney Dangerfield was one of the guest stars. And he's one of the people who said to me, like, he said, Mary, don't get old. You know, he just said, you can't eat what you want. You can't do anything what you want, you know, that you want when you're older. And yet, like, he was he was rewriting every script, giving me all the funny punchlines. And every time, I, if I messed it up, he would just... It, there was just, he still loved doing comedy. And I said, that's who I want to work out with. You know, that's who I want to be around. Not just, I'll just, I remember Andrea Martin was a guest one time. And right before we walked out, she said, is this funny? I don't know if this is funny. Is this going to bomb? And I was like, no, that's a poison. We can't do that. You have to, we have to assume it's going to be funny. I mean, it ended up being funny, but I just, I can't think that way. You have to have a huge ego in a way to try and do something and make it funny you know so so you're doing mad tv Mm -hmm. and after the first season you get picked up yes so you must be like you know you must be excited i was very excited i I got a note from the two producers saying mary they called me uh they wrote a little personal note they gave us all a nice gift you used to get really nice gifts like frames from tiffany and (laughs) picture frames and bottles of really nice champagne and now you do an episode and they're like get out we hate you here's your paycheck you did your job just get out here's a golf cart and i just i was so happy and the note said mary you're the the glue of the cast you keep everyone together you you know when we need you to do something and then cut to three years later when one of the producers was trying to get pregnant. His wife is one of the executives on the show. She can't get pregnant. And I showed up on set with a new baby because I had just had a new baby. And it's like, oh, you're not funny anymore. So after I had a kid, they're like, well, we're not going to renew your contract. You understand why. You have a baby. That's awful. <laughs> well, it's before Angelina Jolie had babies everywhere. This is when, like, the same time that the, it was like Baywatch, one of the actresses got fired for getting pregnant. Because she couldn't fit in a bikini. This is so prehistoric when you could not have a baby anywhere And what's scary near a TV is this show. is like this is the late '90s. I mean, yeah. this is like '95 to '96. That's what's scary. It was only 20 years exactly. ago. Exactly. 
I mean, my mom left to raise us because, but my mom also graduated college in 1952 as a marketing major. There was right. no women doing that. So she, when she had us, she left to raise us. But she, back then, she couldn't wear her, an engagement ring because they think, oh, you're going to get married and have kids for right. a job interview. But but that was 1950. This is 1995. But it's Not, still that way. If you've listened, I've listened to uh, Lean In, the CEO of Facebook, one of the CEOs, um, she wrote this book called Lean In. She said it's the same way that it's still, women still have to choose, baby, stay married. But my grandmother, the same thing. She put herself through college in 1930. Wow. So I came from women, that, that same thing, like, no, <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm going to do both. I'm going to have a baby and I'm still going to do comedy. But it's not like, you know, I did a show with um, called Hey Arnold, and Dom Herrera was on it. Do you know him? He's a Philadelphia legend. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Philadelphia comedy legend. Everybody. I used to work at a I used to work at a comedy club. Uh That John, no, John never worked there, but I worked there, and a bunch of us worked there when we started out. And Dom would come in and do his, and everybody knew Dom, like his, because he's so good with the crowd, and he would go on stage. And just people, that's like the one person, that was the one guy who you wouldn't tell hecklers to shut up because they'd be like, hey, Dom, do you remember such and such? Your aunt rose from that. And he'd go, oh, yeah, yo, yo, you know how he and is. Have a, yeah, a great comeback. And But we were sitting next to each other at Hey Arnold, and there was an actress to my left, and he was always nice to me. We always made each other laugh. And we're doing this voiceover job, which they can be great, they can be horrible, because a lot of voiceover people just never shut up. And this woman sitting next to me, this actress who was doing the episode just said oh i would love to have a baby but i i work all the time i don't have time just like oh i you know what's inferred in that comment is if you have a kid you're unemployed and unsuccessful in the industry right you know and i just i was so shocked that someone would say that to me like i don't have time because i'm really successful so (laughs) you must have a lot of time on your hands to have a baby yeah it's it's so funny well it's 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 like you know when uh Gwyneth Paltrow was making those comments oh, a while I ago. I love her. But she made those comments, though, about, you know, comparing being a mom on set to being oh, in war. Oh, Come please. on. No, she heard about that, right? Well, I, there's some rapper who calls her Fish Sticks Paltrow, and so I started following him because I love that nickname because everything she says is comedy. I don't like her. I, I, oh, she's horrible because okay. she, everything she says is so horrible. Yeah, it's but hilarious. But she said that, and it's like, it's like, wait a second. Okay, and then, then this the guy in a Marine rebuttaled not or somebody said oh yeah okay so when we get up and we worry about seeing if a guy next to us may have lost his legs right. you get up and go on set and have nine nannies and it's right, like it's right. like oh my god it's like it's just some of these people are just such idiots oh she's she's the best of the worst saying like <laughs> why can't everybody eat organic like i do i flew to italy to get the yeah. best organic tomatoes because we can't afford it <laughs> oh my god i would love to go to italy the airfare alone but yeah and then i love that um her husband i love him he's well, no he's no longer a vegan since he left her it's like she was probably making him be a vegan exactly right? and, and and i like coldplay coldplay is good too. They and used maybe, to be great. maybe you know she was the inspiration for him because he just wrote good music because he couldn't he didn't want to be with her so he just said i'm gonna go in my room and write that might right. be the reason yeah art from misery yeah, and you yes. never you never saw them really together you know and True. it's like and yeah, she just and he just seems like a he seems like a nice, quiet Normal guy. guy. Yeah, and she just seems like I mean, naming their kid Apple and all this stupid. stuff. And just, so stupid. It's, yeah, she's she's an idiot. But we <laughs> <laughs> get back to Mad TV real quick. Which if 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 Mad TV was still on in your own, I bet you would do a great Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, 
Uh, I would love. Well, I don't physically look like her at all. I, I tended to do people who. It's really hard to make you look like someone who's really thin and if you don't physically resemble them. So I imagine I wouldn't be playing her, but I would love to mock her. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> but now, when you did the character, like, who are some of the characters you did? Did celebrities um, you did a lot well i did but uh, they're all old now it was like i did um kathy griffin and um barbara streisand um uh what's her name uh oh i'm gonna she's she's <laughs> uh we did a, a submarine parody and she's she's really well-known actress who'd Who's really into like the spiritual world and I can't remember. Not Sandra Bullock, no. No, she was in the Children's Hour. It was just on last night, and I saw her with Audrey Hepburn. I don't know. I don't, uh, I, I I don't know old stuff. movies to, either. No, no. But did you ever meet any of these people? You did the characters, and did they did they say like? Did you ever meet after you did oh, the character? Oh, after I did the impression, no. Did, okay. What yeah. I always found was. Uh, I really like you want to make fun of people when you're doing impressions right to find the comedy but I kind of found the opposite the more I would study someone the less I hated them so I would probably end up liking Gwyneth Paltrow and want to be her friend that's funny <laughs> because you you get to see like all of the aspects of their personality when you are trying to do an impression of them and I I mean if you're really looking deeply I think you end up like I mean you're like, oh, I'm going to make fun of them. Oh, like Fran Drescher and people like that, that you just, you want to make fun of everything about them and you can't. But that's, but so, because I, I always wonder if you do make fun of someone, I always wonder if you run into this person, if you feel weird, like it's if like, they would hate it's you. like if you ever like sit there and you talk crap about somebody and then you're like, oh my God, I think you got back to them. You run into them and you're like, and then you're nice to them and you're totally hypocritical. And it, but It would but, be hypocritical, but Mad TV seemed to always be under the radar. So I feel like I always was living in this world of, oh, people aren't really watching Mad TV. It wasn't until about 10 years later, I did Susan Sarandon. Apparently she was a big fan. They would watch it every Saturday night. But I would always hear like a decade later, oh, I was a huge fan of Mad TV, but not during, not when it was on. Well, because it was, I, I mean, I, I watched it, I mean, but then, you know, I was doing, I think I was doing comedy, but I would mm-hmm. watch it just because Saturday Night Live got really lame. Yeah. Like, like my Those girlfriend, years, yeah. and even now, my girlfriend watches it. And I hate to, you know, I watch it and I'm like, God, how do you watch? And, and then I, I'm a big Letterman fan. I love, I love Dave. Him. I love him. He's my favorite. I love Conan too, though. I like. He's um, my... uh, I, no? I, like I like Conan. I I you let him. I love him. But I it was my it amazed me when they said the uh, the Emmy nominations this year that Saturday Night Live got nominated and for late night show, uh-huh. but Letterman did it, and I was like. There's not Letterman. Everyone's a go. His day is done. Letterman's funnier now because he's he's just so wise. And now he's in retiring. He doesn't care. (laughs) He doesn't care. That's what makes him so funny. And SNL cares. I love watching the news. I love what's her name? The woman who does the new the the new news on SNL. Yes, I can't. I I know you're. I can't think of her name. She's hilarious. I love her. But it really they got rid of a lot of people. I heard just recently, um, I used to watch it about a year ago and it was really funny, but I still love Kristen Wiig. Um, She's a groundling. Yeah, a lot of people are groundlings. <laughs> so so after Mad TV, you left yes. the business for a while to raise your child? or Well, that's what it says in my official bio. That's what it says. No. Well, yeah, it does. It's like once your contract isn't renewed, they don't say like, ah, you're fired. But it really was like, ah, you had a baby. We don't want you anymore. But it wouldn't affect how you perform. No, you would think it wouldn't. But the fact that it's like, okay, we decided that someone is, we're going to pay them half. Because by then your contract is renegotiated for a lot more money each year. And I think it was cost cutting at that point because it just got cheaper and cheaper to produce. Um, 
from what I've heard, because I, I knew more people after I left from the Groundlings. They'd gotten writing jobs on Mad TV and a lot of cast members. Um, but after I left, they just kept cutting the budget and cutting the budget. But if I hadn't left Mad TV, I wouldn't have worked on the Martin Short Show, which is where, you know, Toby Huss, Jerry Minor, Kevin McDonald, Maria Bamford was a writer. All so you wrote, you wrote on Martin Short Show? I wrote and performed on Martin Short Show. And you yeah. wrote on Nightstand? Yeah, with Timothy know, Stack. Who that's was, a Groundlings connection. Timothy yeah. Stack was on the show before. He's from the Philadelphia area. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's yeah. from Doylestown. His we son's did. name is Doyle after Doylestown. Oh, that is hilarious because I knew Tim from the Groundlings, and then um, we did a show to save the Lobero Theater in Santa Barbara because his wife was on the board. So I performed with Phil Hartman and Tim Stack and um, uh, John. It's not funny, but um, <laughs> he was on SNL for years. John Lovitz? Yes. He used to be funny. I don't think he's funny anymore. But anyway, we did this benefit show to save the Lobero Theater. With, and I'm on stage with all these amazing people. And Tim Stack, I, got, I was the staff writer on a show called Nightstand. And it was so much fun. It was my first WGA job. And it was just the summer between year two and three on Mad TV. But that was my first writing job. Now, did you did you look forward to writing, or were you did you rather perform? Because some people don't want to do both, but right. Because then I think it comes into the you're in that snafu where it's like you want to write. If you're performing and writing, you you really can't write sketches for yourself because then you look sort of greedy. But then, but you can't write a sketch where you know that. You're going to you be funnier be than that person. I mean, <laughs> right. it must be hard doing it. Well, well, for Nightstand, you just wrote. I just wrote. Okay. I was just hired as staff writer, and I was perfectly happy with that because it was... In, you're kind of burned out at Mad TV. It was basically six days a week, and a lot. there were 12-hour days. It was exhausting. And I was hired as a writer, but at the Groundlings, if you don't write, you don't perform because you write your own stuff. So we, I did... I really, my whole career, I wrote and performed, and I... You know, I wrote a pilot for Mary Lynn Rice Cub a year ago, and it didn't go. It was on E. Um, and I still write. But for me, writing is just work. And I don't – performance, there's a payoff that I enjoy. And writing is just sweat and labor. And unless I'm writing for myself, it's it's harder. But um, – I, I still do it. It's just, you know, it's like exercise. <laughs> well, the Martin Short, though, so you were writing and performing. In yes. That. So that would, did, did you, and I said that crass, and John Matta also wrote for right, that. And right. Toby Huss, who's Halt and Catch Fire, he's so good, and I don't know if you've seen that show. I haven't seen, I saw Carnival, which yeah, which I remember. He's always good. He, he was, was on the show in the very beginning. Yes. John yeah. got him for me, and I, I, I really didn't, I knew him. I didn't really know him. I knew him from Seinfeld. He was the, the whiz. That was the character, that guy. But So you wrote that, so no, right. no so you write, and so you were enjoying writing and acting. Yes. Okay. I like both of them. Now, how did you get into... You do a lot of voices. How did you... Yeah. I mean, well, could you did... You, you did different voices of characters on Mad TV, but how did you parlay that into like a lot of... Because it seems on your resume you have a lot of voice work. How did, how did that come about? I think it's all from comedy world. It's not like I ever... I never pursued a voice agent. I, I had a voice agent that would submit me for things, but I would always be too busy to be pursuing it. And I, I would get cast like, you know, I did Penguins of Madagascar. I played the zookeeper. And they just wanted a woman who sounded like a New York zookeeper. So it was really the normal voice in, uh, you know, the funny penguin show. But all the voices that I did were because of comedy people, not because I had a wacky voiceover reel. Because if you ever listen to those, they make your ears bleed. Just, oh, how animated they are and painful and loud and 
incessant. Well, I think I think, but most people just want to hear a normal. Yes, voice. at the end of the day, nobody wants to hear that Nickelodeon voice again. You know. Now, hey, Arnold. Now, uh-huh. was was he the guy that looked like the stick figure who wore the green shirt? No, no, that was Doug. That was I think Doug he had funny. A, yeah, that was Doug. Someone described Arnold as having a triangle head or something. Um, I don't know. I just, I would do my, I was playing a woman named Susie Kokoschka, whose husband was, you know, a Greek guy named Arthur Kokoschka or something. He talked like this and whined all the time. And, and I just played his wife, who also was kind of nasally <laughs> So it was, again, a real person on an obnoxious, not obnoxious, I shouldn't say that, but like a kid show, you know? No, I heard voice, voiceover work is, is uh, it's fun because it, it's, it's an easy day. It is very easy. I mean, it's like when you yeah. come in from 12 hours, six yes. days a week, and, you're then, done and you're changing costumes right. in your life. Here, you can, you can probably just walk in with a, with like a knapsack on, they wouldn't care. No, know? no, that's, I think that's why you do it, but. Eventually, I ended up just being in a booth by myself doing my, I was literally done in a half hour for every episode I did because I just did whatever lines I had to. Then they would bring in the group of guys that one was doing William Shatner and one was doing Morgan Freeman. And it's just a wall of noise for three hours. And I guess it's fun. But, you know, I did mention I played violin and I can hear everything. And everything (laughs) to me just too much it was just too much noise and too much aggravation like stop trying to be funny every second of every minute and it must have been for you when you're just in the booth from when you come from doing the groundlings and live performance it must be not as i mean i'm not saying not as fulfilling but it's like for me it'd be like me just doing this i like this show because i get to talk to guests right but if someone said okay we're gonna give a show where you get a guest for 20 minutes then you gotta you know, have writer and talk to it wouldn't be as fun. Not all day if you're doing it yeah. all day and then you didn't perform outside of it. Right. It would be I think it would be lonely, you know? It it'd just be like <laughs> kind of that realization of I'm by myself, I'm not interacting. But you're listening and you're you're interested in the in the guests and I I think I could see early on like that's why Martin Short did not have a good talk show because as soon as someone else started talking it would it would literally kind of be like the dead shark eyes and just the face would like glaze over and he was on to the next story of how do I work in something about me into the next story and improv and comedy is 90% listening you know oh, yeah. it's it's being you can't always be the star. No. I mean and that's no. and and you don't want to be. I, mean, I don't know I mean you don't you don't want to be. I mean I wouldn't sit there my guests, my guests come in here. I'm not going to drown you guys out because you guys are nice enough to come down here. Because <laughs> if I could sort of go, oh, hey, hey, so Mary. Anyway, people, you know, I'm sitting here hanging. You know, people would be like, he's a jerk. We don't want to go on a show. But I, would pro- I would laugh. I, I'm a, that's my problem is sometimes I'm a little too good of an audience. Like, I love comedy people. And sometimes there's a show at the Groundlings they do Wednesday night. It's long format improv. And there's so many great people in it. Um, Stephanie Courtney and Brian Palermo. Palermo, yeah. Yeah, Jordan Black, all these uh, really funny people. Jordan, John Mata got Jordan on my show, too. Oh, really? Jordan was on ages ago. Yeah. And But it's such a skill, the long form. You have to listen, and you have to remember everything that's said in the last hour. And Kristen Susson and Roy Jenkins, all these people, they've been doing it for years. So, But if you're not listening, it's like, it's not funny. And I would be on stage. I would try and do that show. And I would realize, 
oh man, I, I'm just laughing. I forget I'm supposed to clap and bring myself into the scene. <laughs> and I'm just enjoying it so much and laughing. I'm like, oh crap, I got to do this. So I said, I, I love that show. I just want to be in the audience. I want, if I'm doing comedy, I want a director to say, okay, come up, do this. You know, I think that's a real theater thing. Like I want someone to tell me what to do next as far as the improv structure. Now, you said you were teaching at the Groundlings. Yes. Now, when did you start to, I mean, did they come up to you and say, and did you want to teach? Did you sit there? I mean, because it's, you, you, you hate to say it, and it's so different out here. I mean, yes. for, for like the Groundlings. So they always, the old saying, those who can't do right, teach. Right. But you've done, so that's the difference. It's not like, I always give the correlation, like I when I first moved out here, uh, while Richard Klein, who played Larry oh, on Three's Company, yeah. was giving an acting class. And I'm thinking, right. well, he hasn't done anything since that so yeah. how can he tell me so that's one of those things those who can't do teach but for right. you it's I think it's different than the growlings because people go back and teach and they because, do because the people you, that you performed with right. are teaching so, so how did they approach you or did you say I want to teach or how did that come up well I when I was in the main company I was teaching and so I always I, I was teaching a long time ago and I did that then it was income um, and I hated doing it at the point where it was actors in their 20s starting out and they were so bitter and jaded. They were just like, just uh, just tell me when the class is over and how I get in the main company. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't want to hear about improv. I don't want to hear how to do improv. I don't want to hear like not to plug in my stand-up because I'm really funny and I just want to come in these scenes and do my stand-up and then get in the main company. So I said, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. I quit like I think my probably third or fourth um, third season on Mad TV, or maybe when I was on Martin Short, I just quit teaching. But now I just teach twelve to eighteen year olds. Okay, so they listen. They listen. They still love it. They're not jaded. Some of them are kind of child actors, and they come from very you know famous families. So you get a little bit of the jaded, but not nearly as much. They're still what I think maybe mentally I'm still only 15 because I I still have that love of trying to do a funny scene that doesn't come from I'm funnier than you I'm going to crush you if you're in my scene you suck I'm funny so that's what I love about it. I love teaching the teens I don't get the bitterness I mean, it's funny I actually I went to visit uh, a guy I know yesterday in the hospital mm-hmm. and he I used to wait tables. He's a busboy. He's, he's, uh, his name's Fernando. I've known him for 15 years. Still speaks broken English. He wanted to become a football fan. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. So he became an Eagles fan. He showed up one night wearing, this is like 10 years ago, wearing an Eagles jersey. He had no idea who the player was. You know. But he has pancreatic cancer. Oh. And he got operated. So we went to the hospital yesterday. And he was in good spirits. You know, I don't think he really comprehends how bad it is. Yeah. But I sit there and I'm leaving going, man, I said, you know, all these people... In, or jaded and they're bitching it's like yeah. this guy's still happy and you know he's I, I don't get it I don't get the, about the business because it's like it's your choice we make choices I always see when people say oh I'm, I hate this town I'm leaving then leave no yeah, one's gonna miss you no one's gonna miss your crappy act you know it's like you're not funny anyway right. and they go well this person gets a break and I always think well what about basketball players let's say a kid's an all American great right. player there's only like 300 spots to go around. It's so much harder Here, they can sports. go anywhere. People can come to Growlings. Even right. if they suck, they can go to the Growlings. And they can still go on stage. Yeah. And it's like, you should be so happy. You know, if you're in another country, you can do anything of this. No, you'd just be trying to escape or trying to find... That's the thing that I never get when I do a show. And you're working with someone who's 
first of all, under the age of 18, and they're a little bit jaded. And there's, you know, a whole ham backstage. And I remember at Mad TV, <laughs> we were shooting in a prison. We were doing a prison parody of something. And there's a, a ham backstage. And my dad was visiting the set. And he said, is it like this every day? There's a whole ham backstage. And he's a mechanic. It's like, he got it, you know. And here, I'm on this set with these kids. And they're under 18. They don't eat anything. They show up. They Basically, they're acting from the neck up. Their, their arms are noodles. They're not acting from the neck down. They're not really invested in it. Their parents are usually born-again Christian. I don't know what why that is so common. With the born-agains? <laughs> yeah. Why, well, they, why do they always have kids on TV? And why do they always come up to me and say, Mary, how do I get my kid on TV? Well, I'm like, I, do you love your child? Don't put them on TV. Well, it's like the Scientologists. How are they all on TV? Because yes. they, the, they own the business. They own the town. I mean, uh, well, seriously. I mean, you yeah. think about it. All the guys, you know, they all get their parts. And then yes, they when help. they leave, yes. wait a second when you leave the church what happens you don't see him working as much anymore no i know is forrest whitaker still i i I didn't know he was yeah um well i had a manager who was a scientologist who wanted to work with me and i didn't know she was and it was i think there's a lot of bullying with that because when i wouldn't hire the photographer she recommended for headshots and didn't do my banking at the bank (laughs) She wanted me to do the paychecks at. I, all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, you're getting a little bit distant. Oh, and then someone who had worked with her was an executive producer and said to me, Mary, you know she's a Scientologist. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. Why it's, didn't I ask up front? Well, it's like it's, it's, it's like it's a different culture. You know, yes. it's like anything. It's like, and it's funny you say that because, you know, I've heard stories about that too. And it's, yeah, it's like the bullying thing because they sit yeah. there and it's like, you're, you're one of, it's almost like the, you know, the Hasidic, the ultra Hasidic Jews. Oh. They hate all the other Jews. Oh my gosh. My husband just worked on a documentary about that, the culture. So fascinating. The only reason I hate it is because women can't do anything except have babies. Right. Why would anyone want any part of that? I don't want to. Because they're told to. They have no choice. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I didn't think of that. I don't want to have to cook and just have babies all day long. They don't get to have any fun. I know. It's just, but my brother said, because my brother used to be in the jewelry business oh. in New York, and he uh-huh. said, the, the the they I mean they own the they, business they right? hate no but they hate other non Hasidic but they hate yeah they if if you're like a a, conservative, a regular Jew conservative yeah if you're a regular Jew <laughs> they're like we don't want any part of you because you're not no. you know you know and it's just amazing the rules like you have to have two different sinks for your meat and your chi- and oh, it's I like know. it's I, just I don't get it I had a, my best friend in college was at Chabad House and so that's where she lived during college but. Um, do you remember that story a long time ago, the LA Times, it was in the jewelry district, it was a heist, and all the, it was because all the jewelry and diamond business was done with handshake, and everybody knew each other, and so some woman came in saying she was the wife of someone, and had the right names, and they handed her a bag of diamonds, and she got, she basically, this, this heist came off because it was like, oh my god, she stole all these diamonds, because it was such an insular community, and I just was fascinated by that. So I've always been like, oh, a Hasidic wannabe, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's like that inner <laughs> if thing. If I were a man, but not... Yeah, if oh, not if you're no a woman. way. They just, <laughs> I, I couldn't sucks. grow the things. I, I, I wouldn't want them. I, no. You know, I, I wouldn't look good in them. I the, just, that's a cult. No way. I want to talk to you about uh, iCarly. I'm sorry, I oh, okay. To, no, because no, I'm sorry to trans thing, but... but <laughs> what I, a transition. Well, no, from Hasidic Jews to iCarly. But they no, don't mix dairy and meat either. <laughs> exactly. Well, actually, uh, I know a guy who wrote on that named George Doty. I don't know oh, you, okay. And uh, but I, Carl, I was I I'd always talked to guests, and my guest before me was on a show called Marvin Marvin, which is a kids show, right? And 
Oh, Regan Burns, you talked to him yes. and he's on a kid's show. Yeah. Now, you have children. Yes. Now, when you're on a kid's show, I heard like to all your kids' friends, all of a sudden, you're like the coolest mom ever because you're like, oh my God. Yes. Did you, did, and plus, kids recognize you everywhere. Kids recognize you. Adults never recognize you. That's why I thought I was safe doing a kid's show. But um, it, it, it used to be like, oh, you're on a kid's show. You're dead. And I do think now it could be just I have an agent who's like, you like doing kid's show. I'm just going to com- <laughs> submit you for kid's shows. But um, now it's like there are no lines. If you're a commercial or voiceover actor, it doesn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? There used to be kind of a strata and a hierarchy. Well, they used to say about, you know, with, with uh, film actors who never do TV, but now all the best TV shows have film actors. I mean, when exactly. Dustin Hoffman came down and did that show for HBO, it's like, well, wait a second, Dustin Hoffman's doing TV. Yeah. If Gary Sinise is doing network, Gary Sinise wasn't even doing like HBO. And Gary Sinise no. is a great actor. That's the now, it's like, that's the norm. It's like it's, Elliot it's, Gould. Do they come down? I mean, it's just everyone wants to get on because yes. it's. There's it's no cool. cast system anymore. And you, don't have, you don't have to travel a lot of times, or you're just no, you're there. No, it's easy and it's fun. And I still will meet people, and it's mostly crew people who will say to me, "Oh, well, I only work in film." I have a friend like that. You know, and I just say, "Wow, you still say that because that's a really stupid, backwards thing to say because there are no lines anymore." And yes, I did iCarly, and yes, every kid in the country, I sat on a plane once, and a little girl said, I was afraid to ask you because I knew you were the mom on iCarly, but I was afraid to say, are you the mom on iCarly? Like, I said, why would you be afraid of me? I just offered you gum so your ears would pop on the airplane, you know? Am I that scary? And then my kids say, it's because you play a crazy person on a kid's show, Mom. You look crazy. Everyone <laughs> thinks you're crazy. And I said, well, that's good. I, I, I think that's better than, uh, you're the nice mom. <laughs> Well, that's good because you want to be that. And I'll tell you something yeah. about iCarly. I would watch it. And before it's my girlfriend funny. moved out here, she would go, because her niece, uh, her niece and nephew, like, you you, you watch? I, I go, yeah, I think it's funny. And, and my friend's like, he, he lives in Kentucky and he's, uh, you know, I went to college with him and his two kids and they would watch it. And he said, I like watching with it because yeah. it's funny. And the kid Jerry Trainer was hysterical. He's so funny. And I guess he just finished a pilot because I just shot something with Jeanette McCurdy. She's genuinely funny. You know, I think if there was I Love Lucy, she would be Ethel. You know, she's so funny and, and so talented. Sing. Yeah, she can. She said she's not pursuing that right now. But um, Jerry Trainer is so genuinely funny. He was taking classes at the Groundlings and he couldn't finish because he was doing iCarly and just never had time. And I think iCarly was truly the exception of, I think it was a kid's show, but there was so much funny stuff for adults, too. And I, I really feel like, okay, if I, ha- if I did a kid's show, that's the one I want. Because my kids are really snobs when it comes to comedy. And they'll watch shows and be like, oh, that's not funny. Okay. Oh, that's terrible. But they do... They would get invited to birthday parties because their mom was on iCarly. And that's what sucks in L.A. is because, wait, you don't like my kid. You just want me at your sixth birthday party next to the cake and your mom. I hate you. And it took me so long to figure that out. And it was at my son's old school that it happened. And I, it just depressed me. It's like, no, if you don't like my kid, you don't get right. me. Now, now, how old are your kids? Uh, my daughter is 16 and my son is 12. Okay. Now, so have they seen your mad TV work like on YouTube and stuff like that? Or do they say, we don't want to see it, mom? They don't want to see me perform. It's sort of like, uh, you know, my son, I walked in the other day and he was watching something and then they did 
then iCarly came on. It was an old episode because they started showing it again. And he said, oh, there's my mom on TV. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God. But there's so – though he loves Rowan Atkinson. Okay. And my daughter has seen Mad TV, but she's like, eh, whatever. She wa- she's studying opera. She wants okay. to go into opera, so – I'm just like, well, I guess you got my violin genes, you know. <laughs> we have a few minutes left. That's oh, okay. Stuff. Life flies by. See that? Everyone goes, I know. Everyone sits oh, there and goes, they always go an hour. I they know. Go, Is and, it's and been then, an hour? Yeah, I thought it was only that. half hour. No. No, everyone says that because I sit there and I go, five minutes. I don't say it. I say five minutes. And then everyone's like, it's been an hour because we, oh, no. we just talked. And I haven't said one funny thing. No, you've been very funny. No, not funny. I, well, this, no. <laughs> my show's not a comedy. No, it's, they put in a comedy. I don't consider myself show a comedy. I consider myself a talk show. I, I yeah, want to be, I, I I be the hip. other people I listened to and they were funny. You well, want to be the stuff. hip, interesting. The hip Charlie Rose. That's, oh, that's my thing. That's I don't, a great goal. Yeah. I don't, don't want to be. I don't need to be. That's why if I did a sound comedy, effects, I'd be like, boo, boo, boo. <laughs> I always, I always tell my girlfriend, I go, you know, I'm telling you, I said, I'm getting tired of this L.A. stuff. We're going to move to Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I'm going to be a, a morning man. And she's like, oh, they would no, love you I would there. Never, oh, I would never move to it's Kalamazoo. It's misery. Oh, no. I would never. I could never leave. I mean, I could go to, <laughs> I said, we could go to Florida or somewhere sunny. But right. Not, I mean, because once you live out here. No, I, mean, I know. You, you can't, can't go You cannot back. go back. You've escaped. So, so uh, what's coming up? We have a few minutes. Any, uh, uh well, <laughs> let's see. I'm writing a play with this really great playwright named Justin Tanner who's done a, a lot of um, underappreciated plays in LA and one of the plays he did with I did with Laurie Metcalf and French Stewart and it was called Pop Mom and a woman came to the show a few times and lo and behold couple you know year later six months later there's a show called Weeds yeah. and it's basically mm-hmm. like taken from pop mom so this playwright he wrote a play called zombie attack back in 92 i've known him since i moved to la so i wrote a play i'm like i'm gonna do a theater thing because i don't really get comedy anymore i don't get um mainstream comedy i a a lot of it if you get a sitcom it's basically if i go on there i'm gonna have to tell a yeast infection joke right Right, that's not funny it's gross and that's mainstream and so i thought maybe if i just go back and try and do something i think is funny in a smaller venue um and i've heard lots of people people love theater in la and i'm being facetious because it's like nobody i know everyone says they see theater now you did you went to the shakespeare in the park but no casting people go to theater uh, if they do, they're very rare. They're usually the people that I knew, you know, 15 right. years ago. They're still very active. and But it's it's that thing where I just think, I'm start. you never rise up the ladder in L.A. You always start at the bottom rung. So my bottom rung is I'm going back and doing theater and live stuff. And then maybe I can work my way up the ladder again. Well, good. Yeah. That sounds good. Now, do, do, do you tweet? Uh, no. No, you got to start tweeting. I know. Everybody does that. Everybody goes to Comic-Con. Everybody. <laughs> I don't go to Comic-Con. But you got to start <laughs> tweeting. But, uh, so how, well, why? Because it's like, I, I have like 20 I, followers. I put jokes up. So what? It's okay, just, I'm going to follow you because then I'll see how you do it and maybe yeah. I'll, I'll learn. You tweet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I tweet. I, I didn't do it for a while and I just. I'm going to have to give in. I put up, I put up jokes. I, I put up my bits. You know, I don't really, I don't, you know, I just put, because I have stupid 
comedy ideas you always put up, and I go, oh, and they're probably funny. I don't know. I think I might just gripe or say something that isn't. Funny. You can't gripe that long because you only have uh, so many characters. <laughs> you could gripe like halfway, and you go, "We never got the end." Anyway, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming on. I'm oh, glad thank we you, got in Steve. Touch. That was fun. And, yeah, uh, yeah, people. So uh, check her out. Yeah, uh, thank yeah, you, John Matta. And uh, thank you, John Matta. And people, uh, listen. Here's what we do: go to my website, CooperTalk.net. I have about two I have over 270 episodes up there, and there's one called uh, Cooper Talk Live Bootleg. That's me and Jordan Brady from uh, Bob's Espresso. I did a little live Cooper Talk show, and it's really low quality sounding. But we just wanted that. I it's it's going to be on video, but I wanted that sound. So go listen to that. That's sort of a live performance but there wasn't anyone in the crowd also uh <laughs> if you have an android go to uh, the google play store type in uh cooper talk get the cooper talk app all my episodes are on there i update all the time follow me on twitter at cooper talk send me an email cooper no that's not it, it used to be cooper indy 100 they changed the, the format it's uh cooper.talk at yahoo.com and so do that also uh, i don't have any shows coming up well every tuesday i'm at uh jimmy's place i do uh, crappy comedy i host that it's just storytelling and once again there's no crowd there so it's uh, I'm, I'm such a big draw anyway i want to thank my guest mary Shear. thank you so much thank you steve and people keep listening uh cooper talk coopertalk.net steve cooper i'm only as hip as my guest don't forget drink your water eat your vegetables and take your vitamins have a great weekend